And welcome to the Heart God Media Podcast. And uh, we are here today to discuss our top 10 80s action films. Uh, eight films from the 80s, action-oriented, obviously. Our top list, our personal selection of 10 films, and obviously a handful of honorable mentions from from myself and Eric Scott Tyler. Eric, you've uh, been a voice on this podcast that is... Uh, only second to mine, you've given up the most time to sit here and, and discuss uh, films and music uh, with a wider audience. And, and given that, uh, you and I have been able to kind of talk about anything because our, our interests are, are very eclectic and we're very interested, obviously, in anything 80s, um, but of course, 80s action films. So, I mean, this is uh, something, it's uh, it's about time that we uh, we covered yeah for sure like i said i mean uh our conversations always seem to draw to a lot of these movies uh you know we love uh films of all genres but i think uh right next to horror are these uh are these action films so um i'm excited to do this list for sure and, and these are films that i think uh some of them get painted in the action corner and don't get the the due that they deserve for being good films and films just in their own respects but that goes with everything with, uh, you know, action can 100% be considered a genre type film. So you get horror and action films and sci-fi films that are made spectacularly. And sometimes they get their just due from the mainstream moviegoers and award establishments and things like that. Uh, sometimes they do get their due, but a lot of the times they don't. So when, you know, you and I do these lists and, you know the small audience that we do have that listens to to us babble uh, can enjoy and and take uh, solace that you know some of these are respected by uh, uh, fellow fans of uh, genre film. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of these, well, a lot of action films altogether, I feel like don't get you know a lot of them maybe because of the cheese factor or the acting, they definitely don't get the respect they deserve. A lot of a lot of them are laughed at, but. Uh, and a lot of these actors, you know, in, in the films that we're probably going to be talking about, don't get, uh, when it comes to the grand scheme of things, uh, enough love, probably. But, uh, you know, that's why I think it's good for us to shout them out and, and talk about how much these films, uh, how much we like them and how much they mean to us. And uh, because, like you said, with, with the mainstream media, maybe uh, some of these films are underappreciated, probably. Yeah, for sure. And I think... Uh... I think uh, the reason we are such... I mean, you were born dead set, middle of the 80s. I came a few years after you. But I think even I think even if we grew up in the 70s I, and, and were you know, teenagers or early 20s in the 80s, I'm not sure we would appreciate these films the, as much as we do right now because by the time we were, you know, cognizant and making movie selections on our own and, and you know, our tastes were being curated in the 90s we had video stores and video stores is where you discovered so many on top of you know if you you were had the the small luxury of having like an hbo a showtime or a cinemax uh you know the video store was where you found a lot of these films and the 90s was such a boom especially the early to mid 90s where where we started renting videos that's between that and maybe like some weird television, you know, on in the middle of the night. 
uh, that was where you really found these films. So that's why I think we're so the '80s specifically and, and genre film is such our bread and butter is because of that. Yeah, I think like you know things are television especially is so different now that I feel like when I was younger. Uh, so many, uh, there was a lot more movies on television, obviously, even on, and, and not just on like your HBO and your Showtimes, but like your regular channels showed a lot of movies. And, um, I just feel like the late seventies, the very late seventies into the eighties, I don't know, like when it comes to action and, and horror, uh, these movies just carried a lot of weight, uh, especially into the nineties, like you said, when we were very young. So, uh, it was very easy to get introduced to a lot of these a lot of these movies they're constantly showing them like i said on television and then you know you're you're finally getting to an age where you're you're starting to know what you like and, and you're renting your own stuff and stuff like that so um yeah i think like uh, you know it could be the time obviously everything is about around when you're when you're born uh you know your age of what you like but i personally think like even you know i'd like to think no matter when i was born uh, that these movies would carry the same weight with me, but uh, I guess it's all relative. So. Absolutely, and uh, you know, there's so many. Obviously, we have our standouts, and there's there's no doubt that some of these faces are gonna appear in our list. But obviously, you're talking A1 and A2. You're talking Arnold and Stallone are, are the kings of the '80s action. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, though, and those are two of the guys I was kind of thing at who don't get their uh they're kind of looked at as as jokes sometimes maybe because of their acting skills or or whatever the storytelling in the movies but uh the without a doubt yeah sly and, and uh, arnold are your two top dogs when it comes to action altogether in my opinion uh obviously a few other guys in the mix too but uh you know uh like i said maybe because of arnold and his and kind of his the career he's had and uh, dipped his, you know, into the comedies, and then obviously running for governor, and that he kind of sometimes maybe gets looked at as a, as a bit of a joke sometimes. But uh, I don't know. I guess it's fifty fifty whether these guys get the the real due. I mean, when it comes to Oscar nominations, they're not ripping it up, but uh, they've been in a lot of amazing films in my eyes. So that's what's important to me. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, S- Stallone kind of took was the first, uh, is, is definitely the first, uh, guy in, I, I mean, his films, I mean, Rocky was like a, a breakout success and those films did, that's the thing. These films did well, like people enjoyed them so much. They were to go to, they were, you know, it's the same thing with, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Texas Chainsaw Massacre was never going to win any awards, but is the most, it's one of the most like successful, like, independently shot films like of all time yeah and the film that carries a lot of weight it means a lot to a lot of people so and that that, i mean not for nothing like to be completely honest with you there's you know some movies that are you know revered as you know some of the best of all time and, and everything like that they're not as influential as i think something like a night of living dead or texas chainsaw massacre are and and the uh, same thing with, uh, you know, Stallone. Stallone wrote and directed, like, he did so much. He wore so many hats. And same thing with Arnold. I mean, Arnold, uh, obviously, not writing or directing, um, 
but you know goes into a, a career in in politics and becomes a governor and and is well spoken and you know those guys kind of get written off as kind of dumb guys but they're they're really both super highly intelligent and obviously have a, a business acumen that's second to none yeah for sure i think it's you know like you said what you said about arnold but also like like stallone his I mean, his his early career, and, and I don't think people realize, like, you know, he's he was a big writer. He, I mean, obviously, he wrote Rocky, and uh, he was like a, wasn't he like a, a stage actor? Like, I, I don't know, I just, I think people write him off as like a meathead type dude, but he's obviously a lot deeper than he, than uh, what he appears to be. Oh, 100%. And those, you know, these stories, all a lot of these, that's the thing with action films, too, is there's always story, like... Yeah, sometimes it's it's a lot. It's quote unquote dumbed down with a lot of explosions and fighting and things like that. But there's always a story at the heart of it, whether or not you think it's a well hashed out, like you know, great plot or anything like that. That's always to be debated with, uh, you know, film by film. But a lot of uh, I started going through a lot of these films, and I was just like, a lot of them are drama based. They're all drama based. Yeah, for sure. I think. Um... I would say that, yeah. I mean, a lot of these films have some sort of underlining, deeper story that's not just raw action. I mean, there's something, definitely something happening, something deeper in, in, in most of these movies that we're going to be discussing. And, uh, you know, there's just, uh, we're, we're going to break down each one that we go through, but how do you want to do this? Do you want one of us to run through a list 10 to 1, or do you want to go 10, 10, 9, 9, 8, 8? Uh, I don't know. That's your call, man. Your call. Let's do. Let's go back and forth. All right, perfect. I do want to preface this by saying uh, I didn't include some stuff. Like I don't know. I just want to. For some reason, I want to announce this. Like I didn't include certain things. Like I didn't include any of the Rocky films or Indiana Jones or Back to the Future or Star Wars or any of like the DC or Marvel like superhero movies. No, I didn't either. Not because I dislike any of those movies. I just kind of put them in a different category like, obviously indiana jones is an action movie of course but i just put it in its like own thing so i didn't include any of those type of movies in this list so no uh i mean yeah obviously we revere the back to the future films uh and the indiana jones films highly i know you're a star wars guy as well those do fall into like a different like uh fantasy adventure to a lot of those um but nothing, taking nothing away from them. This is more, at least my list was more like, you know, a lot of killing, muscles, guns, revenge, vengeance. Yeah, I mean, I kind of, I, there's a couple of movies that I actually have on my list. That, well, maybe like, yeah, like a handful. I guess, I guess every one of them is an action movie altogether. But some of them are definitely more like raw violence than uh right you know than storytelling for sure so. right and it, it was uh it's funny too because it's so hard to at first i was like do i want to include any can i can i exclude all cop movies and i was just like it's almost impossible to do a top 10 list of 80s action movies without having a cop movie in there <laughs> yeah there's, cops there's were cop yeah there's always a cop along the way somewhere so. were cops not like so dominant in the 80s i feel like everything was cop related yeah, I mean, you're right. It was, like, kind of the basis of a lot of stories, for sure. Like, either a cop or military type thing. You were either a good cop fighting against your crooked, uh, like, crooked fellow cops. You were either, like, a renegade cop. 
you you were <laughs> so many like yeah, I mean, you were either in the military or you were a wall from the military. Yeah. <laughs> so it's actually I mean, it's a good starting point because that gives you that puts you in the middle of violence, be it military related or law enforcement related. It it places you in that world of you know violence and enforcement. Oh, for sure. I mean, I guess it's an easy. Uh, it's easy like jumping easy off route. point. Yeah, exactly. Easy route to just uh, to get into it without having to go through too many angles of, you know, how do you get there? Right. Yeah, they're, they're a cop. Yeah, they're yeah. in the military. Yeah. <laughs> so. All right, let's, uh, let's kick this off our top 10 80s action films. Eric, what is your number 10 film? All right, so like I said, you know, obviously this is uh, every list. I'm, I'm so indecisive about everything, but... You know, uh, every list for me is super hard, so I kind of went back and forth on, there was maybe a, a film or two that I had in, but uh, that I had to drop off, you know, just thinking. But my um, my first one, number 10, uh, also I just want to say that I, I my list might be surprising to some people. Some of the ones that you would think would be number one or number two are maybe a little bit lower, but uh, enough about that. So 1987's RoboCop, number 10. 87, you mean? Yeah, did I not say that? I think you said 97. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, 87. <laughs> uh, Robocop, Peter Weller. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, the, it speaks for itself, Robocop. Maybe one of the greatest characters ever. Uh, outrageous scenes, outrageous uh, death scenes, I think we all know. So I mean, uh, Rob- Robocop bordered on horror uh, at yeah, some moments. Any movie that has... Uh, the father from uh, that 70s show is, uh, is, you know, been on a cool night book, so. And Ray fucking Wise. Yeah, right? Also, what a, what a great wanna, cast. Yeah, I mean, seriously, a great cast. And, and I also want to shout out this dude. Um, uh, if people looked him up, they would know him. His name's Ronnie Cox. Now, I feel like Ronnie Cox was in every movie in the 80s. Like, <laughs> Wait, which dude, guy, which dude is Ronnie Cox? He plays, like, a character in the movie named Jones. He's, like, he's, um, he's, like, He's one of the higher ups in the police station, but yeah, yeah, I know you're talking about. I know you're. The dude dude is in like he's in um, this movie I love called Vision Quest. He's in he's in um, what is it the uh, oh Vision Quest so fucking good. Yeah, he's in um, uh, Beverly Hills Cop. I don't know. I just feel like the guy's in like like if you were to look up his filmography, he's in he's in so much shit. It's crazy in the eighties, but so shout out. Yeah, he's in Total Recall. Just like looking at his stuff, like. RoboCop, Beverly Hills Cop, like there's so much shit. Yeah. But uh, all right, so yeah, no, that was my uh, number ten. What uh, what about yours? My number ten. Uh, I mean, that's the thing too. Uh, back to what you said, it's so hard to like. I mean, when you talk about how how vast uh, the '80s action is too, you, you know, RoboCop is revered as it is. It's coming in number ten uh, on your list, and you know, it's because there's so many, and and you know. Everyone holds different films dear, uh, so. Uh, but my number ten uh, isn't RoboCop, uh, but it is uh, Commando from 1985. Love it. I mean, just Arnold. like, just a a relatively simple so- story too. You know, Arnold plays uh, special forces. Uh, Ex subordinate of his kidnaps his daughter. He's out for blood. He's out for vengeance. Like whenever you f- fuck with a man's family, like it's curtain call. Uh, and just like hilarious, obviously, um, you know, this because I was with you, uh, coming down to Maryland, probably, 
about five years ago found a commando tapestry silk flag at a one of the greatest thrift finds I've ever seen in my life <laughs> for, for ten ten dollars to boot. It really is. I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen a greater thrift find than the goddamn commando flag <laughs> Just, at, a, at, a, at an Amish flea market in, uh, in Maryland. So. Oh, uh, many, uh, you know, and anybody, uh, obviously, there are some uh, listeners who are uh, hardcore fans. Uh, there, that was the famous uh, Pottstown flea market, correct? Uh, no, it's... Or uh, not Pottstown. Um, what was it? It's, a, it's called Joppatown Flea Market. Joppatown, that's right. With Rick to Life owning a, a vast uh, collection of overpriced goods. <laughs> yeah, the most the most random thing you can think of is Rick to Life, famed twenty five to life frontman, had his own shop at this Joppatown flea market where he sold all kinds of shit, horror movie stuff, music stuff, uh, paper T shirts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, he uh, he famously he famously. Uh, Sold me a, uh, I believe it was dry rotted now after doing extensive research, but a typo negative dead stock, uh, blue grape brand uh, typo negative shirt I was very pumped on. But upon putting it on after I got back to Eric and Jen's apartment, my arm went through the side of it. It looked brand new, but apparently it was, uh, it saw, you know, it was a hocus pocus fucking gimmick shirt and it literally. <laughs> It tore quicker than than Hogan fucking Center of the Ring ripping it off at WrestleMania three. <laughs> yeah, I never seen anything like that. That was. Uh... And then he famously was about ready his son, which is crazy enough to think that Rick's the Life has a son. He's produced offspring. Um, so tries uh, has a Johnny Cash shirt, I believe, or, or was it a Johnny Cash shirt or was it a Hank the Third shirt? Jack, come on over here and tell the story. Uh, a Hank the Third shirt for sale. Yeah, and I bought it, and it was, like, the most exciting purchase, I would say, of, like, the past three years prior to attending the Town flea market, and Rick to Life's son took it back. He stopped you, right, and said, hey. No, I paid for it, and he came back and was like, no, I can't sell that. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. It was, One of the... Was very apologetic. One of the one of the gems slipped onto the slipped out of uh, his yeah. personal inventory into his shop, and <laughs> yeah, I don't understand that. So. He he reneged know. on the on the purchase. He it was an instant refund. Uh, but yeah, long story short, greatest uh, greatest find. But yes, uh, com- commando. Obviously, probably I I may be. I mean, I think Arnold was the biggest in the 70s, especially the last year uh, p- promoting and, and filming uh, his last appearance at Mr. Universe for the Pumping Iron, but Arnold's just friggin' jacked and cut so, so much in this film. You're talking, you know, coming off, uh, uh, you know, one of his biggest performances. I won't even say the name now because I'm going to wait for the reveal from when it pops up in in our list, because it surely will. But, uh, yeah, Commando, just, uh, you know, big, huge uh, artillery machine guns and, fuck, I don't even know what it is, a rocket launcher, a bazooka, like, just, I mean, it's just class. It screams everything about the 80s and everything action. Oh, for sure. And, uh, you know, just another one of, uh, Arnold has so many polarizing, uh, like, covers of, of a lot of his films, and that's another one. I always picture just like that, the commando cover there with. Oh, I mean, he's clutching a weapon in most of his uh, his front covers. Oh yeah, that's a classic one as well. What do you got for your number nine? 
All right, so number nine, this, again, might shock a couple people how low it is, but it. Uh, I'm going to go with another Schwarzenegger film, and it's 1987's Predator. Predator, obviously. Well, classic. Classic, another, I mean, just, again, just a cut-up uh, Schwarzenegger with the insane weaponry. Uh, all-star cast with him and, and Carl Weathers, Jesse the Body who was uh, running for president, hopefully. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just such a great story, cool-ass story. Obviously, uh, down in Central America, it was supposed to take place, and they, obviously they turned out hunting these uh, extraterrestrial predator beings. Yeah, so Predator, uh, super fun film. Obviously, if you like Schwarzenegger, I'm sure people have seen it a hundred thousand times, but definitely one of the most classic uh, action films ever. Oh, for sure, hands down. And it's uh, you know that that movie has a such a mark uh, too. I just feel like it's just it's such a easy easy watch. It's so fun every single time. It's one of those movies where if I if I see it on anywhere, like I I mean obviously like I have uh, limited like regular cable or whatever. But if I see it, like, if it's, like, randomly on, like, sci-fi or something, it's hard not to, like, I, I it's hard to not to be like, oh, shit, Predator's on, like, and flip past it. It's so hard not to, it, it's so hard to turn the channel whenever that movie comes on. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, and, and look what it's spouted. I mean, how many, how many sequels and everything. I mean, they literally just came out with the, the newest one, what, like, two years ago, a year and a half ago? Something yeah, like that. yeah, 2018. Yeah, so, I mean... It's it's you know I, I not necessarily every film that has uh, multiple sequels uh, means that it's a great great film, but I just think it does carry weight to that. And uh, you know I don't really know the backstory if when they made Predator, um, did they think it was going to spawn into what it spawned into? But I think it speaks volumes about the movie. So for sure, and uh, my number nine, this film has appeared on another list that we did. I think I know what's coming. And, uh, you know, it was so hard because I think I had that one in the middle of the other list on the slasher list. I think it was a five or six. I believe it was a number six. Because I do. With great great controversy. With great controversy. With great controversy, for sure. (laughs) Uh, Because I consider it just as much of a slasher film as I do an action film. But it is indeed an action film as well. And this is one I just grew up listening or, or watching. And it was just so much uh, another easy watch for sure. And uh, Stallone coming, making his first appearance on my list in 1986's Cobra. I mean, yeah, like I said before in the slasher uh, pod, I mean, I love it. One of the best. Uh, I mean, I think it's I think it's personally Stallone's most underrated film, probably. Oh, for I sure. Don't think it, I don't think it gets celebrated as much as his other stuff. Uh, and then, like you said, it's kind of a genre bending where it, uh, it it's got a lot of horror elements to it. It's uh, it's an action film, definitely, um, and maybe one of Cologne's or Cologne, maybe one of Stallone's best characters, <laughs> Carlos like Carlos Cologne. Yeah, like outside of uh, you know John Rambo and uh, and Rocky Balboa, uh, I don't know. This is this is probably one of his most badass characters. To be honest with you. An interesting, uh, too, because Red Sanja came out in, I believe, 1984. Maybe I'm maybe I'm mistaken with that. Maybe it was... No, I think it was 84, maybe 83. 
maybe 87, I can't remember. But right around right. there uh, is a, was a, was an Arnold film, and he was, I believe, um, uh, I don't know how to put this uh, delicately, but he was uh, he was in between uh, some linen with uh, Bridget Nielsen, and short <laughs> shortly after filming, I think maybe even during the filming of uh, Cobra, they Stallone and her had uh, had gotten together, and uh, he was uh, he was taking taking it for a, a spin as well out on the town. Uh, so obviously she, she obviously, <laughs> she obviously was very, she was just as much of a fan of Stallone and Arnold as we are. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, uh, awesome, you know, outlaw cop, just, you know, a killer, a killer car, like fight, uh, going after, you know, uh, a, a slasher. A night slasher, right? Slasher, you know. I just want to hammer that home that Cobra's a slasher film, uh, but yeah, just uh, super fun. Uh, I feel like it's it's standard issue to have a supermarket scene in an '80s action film too. You need a supermarket scene, and it also it also fucking is hilarious. Uh, a scene in the film where he's just like, "I'll kill everyone in here," and he's like, "I don't shop here." <laughs> you gotta have you gotta have those lines in these eighty in the eighties action film too. Oh yeah, the one liner, the serious guy drops the one liner. It's a bit comedic. It's like uh, it's clutch. That's happened. So yeah, my number nine, uh, old Cabretti, Cobra. Cobra, love it, love it. All right, so moving on to my number eight. Uh, this is a sequel. Nineteen eighty six, Aliens. Alien coming in at number eight. All right, got James Cameron's uh, appearance, first appearance on this episode. Yeah, James uh, James Cameron. I mean, you want to talk about? I know I keep saying this, but you want to talk about just another all star cast? Oh man, it's just it's packed to the gills. Yeah, I mean, we know. Uh, I know your love of Lance. So Lance Hendrickson, uh, his character in this Bishop, so rad. Bill Paxton, one of the kings. You know, Michael Bain, Paul Reiser. Obviously, Sigourney coming back. Uh, this is her since Alien and Aliens is, is her franchise for sure. Um, Jeanette, Jeanette Goldstein, who appears in in another Cameron franchise uh, in a sequel. I mean, just uh, yeah. And I think um, this is another one of those movies where people argue almost like the Terminator movies of what's better, Alien, Aliens, and uh, I th- I'd be dare I would dare to say that a lot of people would probably choose Aliens. You know what I mean? Yeah, just super fun. A little more. I, I mean, I think because they had to go different than uh, Ridley Scott's uh, original Alien film, because yeah. because that wasn't you know that wasn't it didn't have many elements of action. That was a straight up horror, suspense, sci fi, creepy, slow burn movie, and they had to flip the script. So what better than literally, you know, having these uh, Colonel, uh, you know, these uh, whatever they were, they were Marines, just just crazy action, nonstop, always on the edge of your feet, like there's always something happening. And that was, uh, you know, it's 80s action uh, all the way for sure. Yeah, I mean, you're you're 100% right, too. They definitely took it. I mean, it's a different spin with this one. And I think even like the tagline – for this kind of speaks to the like what you're saying is uh, this time it's war it's like they definitely took it from 
they kind of I mean it's still obviously suspenseful and it has a lot of horror elements but they definitely brought the whole again military bringing in the military make it a lot more of like you know not war related but obviously these guys uh, with war experience uh, makes it a, a bit more brutal and that's what uh and that's another thing you need in an 80s action film too. We keep talking about like the parameters of like what what does an 80 what makes an 80s action film an 80s action film. And the tagline too, you know, Cobra crimes the disease and he's the cure. Aliens this time it's war. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, you need that uh, you need that tagline. Ah, <laughs> uh, so yeah, Aliens at your number 8. My number 8 is your number ten, which is nineteen eighty seven's RoboCop. Solid. Like, uh, you know, as we said, it was just you know, it's a classic. Uh, it's it was you know, I'm, I mean, I'm surprised it took till eighty seven. I'm not sure when the talks of getting RoboCop off the ground were, but I'm shocked that it took till the almost you know the middle to late eighties for that to come to fruition. Where you know the the cyborg element of you know creating a half man half machine out of a slain cop it just seems like you're like wow it t- took the 87 to do that but obviously i think it laid the groundwork for for many different uh type of films that bridged that sci-fi action you know uh that bridged those genres and as we said, just a, an amazing cast. Obviously, we got Red in there, uh, and uh, it just uh, you know Peter Weller just does a, a tremendous job. Honestly, don't know if they could have cast that better. Uh, making Peter Weller uh, Murphy as RoboCop, and just uh, you know it makes the the villains in the movie are really you know you really hate the villains. Like it's so hard to like. You know they 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 get your interest and they make you buy in to wanting to see RoboCop succeed. Oh yeah, for sure they make it so you definitely root for their death. That's yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> but yeah, RoboCop just iconic, obviously. And uh, you know a lot with a lot of these too. Uh, you know, anytime uh, we uh, approach it, I definitely want to talk about any kind of uh, memorabilia that we've had. Uh, I do remember vividly. Very, 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 very vividly for my fifth birthday, uh, and I, it was probably the first birthday I ever remember remembering. I'll never forget it, and it's and it's uh, it's odd to me. I, I honestly even question myself sometimes. I was like, was that really my fifth birthday? And then I see, you know, some Polaroids that I have, and it was um, for my fifth birthday. I got a which was 1993. I got a Terminator Two action like a 12 inch 16 inch uh, action figure that spoke a couple phrases you know it was where his face was deteriorate deteriorated and also for the same birthday uh my parents also got me a robocop that had the gun in his side and i think it was for promotion probably for robocop 3 um but those were two like probably like foot 14 inch uh 16 inch uh action figures that I had and I just loved as a kid. Loved, loved, loved those. Yeah, I definitely had a uh, a RoboCop action figure, but it's funny to think about because, you know, I don't even know how old I was when I received that. I can't remember really, but it's like, uh, I think maybe I even had the RoboCop action figure before I had seen the movie. Because Right, right. You know, uh, 
sometimes that happens, especially back then it was like such a different time where so much more is, um, obviously we know we, we limit the, I don't know what's acceptable now. What was acceptable then is a bit different. So absolutely. Uh, your parents see a RoboCop action figure, you get the action figure yeah, probably at a young age, but obviously they, if they saw the movie, they're not going to let you watch it super young. You got to imagine. So. Yeah. Kind of, kind of funny. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, so yeah, my number eight RoboCop. Perfect. All right. So moving on my number seven, uh, 1981 snake Pliskin escape from New York. Wow. All right. I'm Carpenter. Johnny Carp, my boy. Um, and and uh, Carp, John Carpenter obviously directed it, wrote it, and then he wrote it with uh, Nick Castle, right? Nick Castle helped write the movie. Yes, I believe so. Which is uh, obviously the introduction to an iconic uh, Kurt Russell, who, who works with uh, Carpenter a lot. Obviously, we come to we come to know, um, and obviously the the, the follow up to this with Escape from New York, but uh, just a badass movie of. A prison-ridden New York City and Pliskin coming in to save old Donald Pleasance. <laughs> Another one that's just littered with like an all-star, an all-star cast. It really is. I mean, it's just an amazing film and and uh, just you know, a fucking fantastic score too. I love that main title. It's yeah, just, that's uh, another thing. Like, obviously, we know Carpenter his music and his scores and the soundtracks mean a lot to a lot of people, as they do to us. Uh, they go right along with the movies perfectly. He he, he kills it on every, everything he's done. He, he he's killed, and, and this just goes. It just helps build the film. And, and like you said, like you know, you, one of the things you remember from the movie is uh, part of the score, which is I mean that's got that means a lot for sure. But uh, a lot of uh, Carpenter's uh, cronies that he has in a lot of films, Atkins. And uh, Kurt, obviously, we see Lee Van Cleef, who's like an iconic uh, Western actor at his older age. But um, just a super, just an awesome story. Maybe it's something a little bit different for that time, too, as well. That's why I love this film. It's just, uh, it's supposed to take place in what, like 1997? Yep. So, yeah. so, so futuristic, but it's, I, I always kill me about films like that. Uh, Oh, yeah, how they thought, you know, it was just, uh, oh, I mean, you know, look at Back to the Future where, you know, their uh, 2015, there was fucking flying cars and everything. It's yeah. just so funny. And we're, uh, here we are in 2020, just still. We can't even fucking, we can't even get our hands around this fucking pandemic. They thought we were going to have flying fucking cars. Yeah, here we are in this, uh, it's freaking self-quarantine uh, here. So, but yeah, so number seven, uh, John Carpenter's Escape from New York. All right. So uh, my number seven, I had a real hard time whether or not which of the uh, two films I was going to put on this from this franchise. It's very hard. Um, But I think the sequel, the first sequel to this uh, franchise, uh, spoke more of the true action spirit than the original, although the original I, I deeply adore. Uh, Stallone coming in to at uh, Rambo, uh, First Blood Part Two. Nice, very nice. And that was just, you know, obviously he's he's sanctioned, he's he's pardoned to get out of prison after the the Washington uh, deal, the the events of First Blood One, and you know to to go recover uh, possible POWs in the Viet Cong, like, uh, you know, 
going back to Southeast Asia, you know, you, you you're reeling in like the interest from anybody who's in, has been interested in the uh, obviously the the Vietnam conflict that we had in the '60s into the, into the '70s, and it was just you know it was it was a perfect story for John Rambo to get back in the good graces of, of everybody and kind of redeem himself after having his you know Vietnam flashback, and what better to what what better to take care of that poor hurting soul than be like, oh John, go back over there and kill more fucking people. <laughs> yeah. Go fuck your brain up a little bit more. <laughs> I love it. I think it's uh, I think it's awesome that you put uh, part two. You know, there was a little bit more. There was more explosions. There was there was more deaths. So I, I felt like it was uh, it was appropriate to put that one in there. Obviously, goes without saying that I, I deeply adore the first one. For sure, for sure, of course. So yeah, my number seven. All right, so. Number six for me, a film by uh, one of your all-time favorites, old JCVD. The King. 1988's Bloodsport. The King. Uh, You know, I thought about when I was doing this list, and I I got like, even though this is not my number one, I may have, Bloodsport could very well be the movie I've, I've watched the most on my list. I mean, I've seen this movie so many goddamn times. I love it so much, obviously. Uh... You have uh, one Frank Dukes who, uh, again, serving in the military, and uh, he leaves to go uh, overseas to uh, fight in the Kumite. The Kumite. Fucking Kumite. Where he, um, yeah, basically an event, a tournament where you just, uh, you fight for your life. And he joins up with one of uh, maybe the best characters ever. Ray Jackson. Ray Jackson, Donald Gibb. Uh fulfilling a, a prophecy from what the he had like a uh, his original trainer basically so but this yeah. movie is, it's got everything in it it's got the drama uh, it's got the love story but it's also got fucking Jean-Claude just beating the shit out of everyone and uh, you know going against one of his uh, greatest uh, mentor or his greatest villains in uh, Kung Lee <laughs> Chung Lee, so uh, Bolo, Bolo Young, who him and uh, JCVD have worked with uh, Chong Lee, they've worked together quite a bit. So uh, I don't think, and we're going to talk about another film uh, shortly, but I don't think there is a more ripped Asian or a beefy, I'll say beefy Asian uh, martial artist in the history of the entire world than Bolo fucking Young. No, for sure he is. He's a a monster. He wore he's, a fifty-five fucking blazer, man, because that fucking chest was huge. <laughs> he's yeah, he's he's a big boy. He's you're right. You don't see most of them are very lean and and uh, he's he's a lot more jacked up. I'm surprised he never had a run in WWE and uh, WWF in the eighties. Well, he'd probably actually kill someone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised Vince didn't call him up ninety-one and say, "Hey, we need you." <laughs> Uh, I think he was doing uh, double impact at that point. So. <laughs> yeah, he would have turned it down for that, for sure. But, yeah, so, I mean, obviously, like I said, Bloodsport, my father showed me uh, this film. Well, I wouldn't say he showed me. He was just watching it. I watched with him. But uh, at a young age, uh, big John claude Van Damme fan, as I know you're going to get into, and you are as well. Uh, this is definitely my fave of his, and uh, just such a badass movie. Oh, you know, loosely based, obviously, uh on the Frank Frank Duke story, uh, 
a bunch of controversy. Obviously, we're gonna get into that in a little bit. But yeah, Bloodsport, you can't, you cannot go wrong. <laughs> Sure. All right, so what are we on? We got six. So your number six. My number six, another uh, 1987 film. Uh, and there are... There's at least one more. Uh, my number six, uh, cop movie. Another cop film. Uh, funny. There's obviously those uh, comedy moments in a lot of these films. And this film is another uh, genre bridger, uh, you know, uh, borders on comedy and borders on action uh, and uh, crosses both lines, uh, you know, interweaves and pretty delicately and uh, entertaining in a way that is, uh, I don't know, it's so hard to put into words what this film did, especially because it was a massive success as well. And I think it launched a lot of comedies and it launched a lot of action movies 1987's dick donner directed this film lethal weapon Love it. just uh, I mean, you know riggs murtaugh classic classic guys uh, classic characters danny glover and mel gibson just uh, a powerhouse uh, of entertainment throughout the entire franchise really but specifically the first film yeah, that was like a perfect pairing for 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 the movie with the, you know, just those two actors together just kind of make magic and sex. It's really awesome. I don't know if it would have had the success if it wasn't for those two, obviously. I actually, I think I would have uh, enjoyed it more if Bolo Young played uh, Murta. <laughs> oh my lord! There's there's a movie still waiting to be written. <laughs> But, yeah, it was just, I mean, it's a cool concept, too, because the movie opens with, you know, uh, you know, one of the first scenes, uh, the first introduction you get of Roger Murtaugh is he's he's nearing retirement. He's getting ready to retire. Yep. The classic line that I'm sure you're going to spout out. Oh, yeah, I'm too old for this. You're getting too old for this shit. Too old for this shit. It is funny how he's close to retirement in the first one. They make, what, seven of them? <laughs> they go on to make three more, and they have a fifth one coming out, I believe. Yeah, what is it like? Uh, how many did they make all together? Four. 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 four yeah. Is four the one with the uh, with Jet Li? Because I actually kind of really love that one. Yeah, that one's awesome. Jet Li, uh, Chris Rock. Yeah, Chris Rock. Yeah, that's a good one, too. But, yeah, I mean, Lethal Weapon, perfect. Another one that's, like, perfect with... Uh, you know the action, but comedy—it's—it's it's just a perfect blend. I um, think I—I I, I might laugh at that one more than straight-up comedy films from the some of the eighties uh, comedies. <laughs> oh, you're, you're right about that. Just the two of them together, like it's just hilarious. And and obviously you got uh, Gibson's character and is such a wild card, and uh, and Glover's much more uh, you know toned down and the family man, but. Uh, definitely the perfect combination those two and a lot and a lot of these films that uh, i mean you you were saying that you had uh you know and, and, and honestly i think uh i think my father was the similar uh to, to old chris tyler as well saying you know he didn't really show me it he just put it on and was watching it and you know my parent my, my parent my parents like didn't give a shit what if i was what i was watching they yeah. and it's not, uh, like my, it's not like my father sat down and was like all right i'm gonna show you blood sport now. yeah exactly He's just like, Bloodsport's on, I like it, we're going to watch it together. Yep, exa- exactly. 
I'm sure the same with Satch when the Lethal Weapon was on. Oh, yeah. He was... uh, Now, one of the... uh, A lot of great memories I have of uh, Lethal Weapon are are tied to, obviously, my father. uh, But uh, we would do it every... uh, Every so often, we would. Once we started, we couldn't stop. We had to watch them all. So I, re- I remember just. Uh, it might have been one of the last Christmases that uh, the old Satchmo was uh, still around. Uh, I remember throwing on Lethal Weapon. We stayed up. We watched. Uh, we got. I think we got halfway through the third one before we called it. Uh, but we started like a lo- like ten, eleven o'clock at night. We started watching uh, old Lethal Weapon. You know, this is just you know a few years ago. It wasn't even that long ago. Uh, probably six, seven years ago, but started watching it, and you just can't. It's so hard to stop watching those movies because they're just so entertaining. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, that's kind of like another thing. Like I was saying about uh, Predator, I think it always speaks volumes when the when the original movie spawns off uh, multiple sequels. Um, and you you get into that mode. You watch Lethal Weapon. You're like, oh, all right, well, I need to watch Lethal Weapon two now. Oh yeah. Watch, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. But yeah, my number my number six, old lethal weapon. All right. Getting into the top fives here. Top fives. So this one was uh let's see, nineteen eighty nine number five for me, nineteen eighty nine's Roadhouse. This is one I kind of is Roadhouse an action film? I would say it's an action film, right? I mean you got uh people the deaths or stuff getting exploded, it's an action film, obviously. Uh, one of the most badass, uh, awesome actors of all time, in my opinion, Mr. Patrick Swayze. Uh, as Dalton comes in, he's a rough and tough bar bouncer to clean up uh, <laughs> to clean up a bar that's uh, the old double deuce. Uh, the old double deuce down in uh, Mississippi, I believe. So yeah, th- uh, this one, you, you know what? I, I feel. I mean, this list was so hard, and Roadhouse isn't on my top. 10 films and I, I feel bad about it but it something's got to get cut and I just I feel terrible that Swayze had to be the one because I I, I love Swayze and Roadhouse yeah, is 100% an action film and it is so damn fun and incorporates all the stuff we've been talking about yes. fights I mean, fights uh, there's a conflict there's a revenge there's you know the 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 taglines the you know the uh, there's so many great lines in that movie. I want you to be nice until it's time to not be nice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just obviously well, this movie is just so classic. And then you obviously have another one of the people I love, Sam Elliott as his uh, Wade Garrett, the sidekick. Uh, How's it going, Mijo? <laughs> <laughs> so goddamn good. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, just um, just a super fun. Movie. This movie is the one that lately, especially, has been on on tv so much lately and i have the blu-ray but i don't think i've picked up the blu-ray in years because it's on tv like every week this movie but uh right super badass uh obviously the the king one of the unspoken guitar kings of jeff jeff healy also jeff in the, healy and the in the the movie as well um yeah this movie just has everything and it also i always found it interesting the the connections that Roadhouse has to the Big Lebowski, which obviously is <laughs> oh yeah of all time, just so random that Ben uh, was Ben Gazzara or whatever is in uh, the guy who plays Brad Wesley is Jackie Treehorn and Big <laughs> Lebowski. Obviously, you got Sam, Sam Elliott, who's uh, the stranger or whatever you want to call him in uh, the Big Lebowski. But uh, yeah, Patrick Swayze and a lot of uh, could do it all. Honestly, he was uh, an action guy, drama, but uh, Roadhouse. 
maybe some might not consider an action. I definitely do, and it's uh, my number five. So I, I just picked up, uh, obviously, Amazon has uh, restrictions on what they're sending immediately. Obviously, non-essential stuff, is, is there's a weight on it. But if it's already in the warehouse, they will sell it. So upon uh, so I already had the Roadhouse Blu-ray, but just uh, probably a month or so ago, I had to pick up the collector's edition that Shout put out years ago. Um, and there's only like one or two extra like special features, but I just wanted it and I got a deal on it. So I got it. And upon watching it, I was just like, and I, and I was listening to it on Spotify. Like the next day I was listening to obviously, uh, when the night comes, uh, fallen, uh, which is a, a cover song. Actually, um, Jeff Healy does as most blues players do. There's, they do a lot of covers, but, uh, I was just like, fuck, I got to own like a physical copy of this. Sure as shit. Go on Amazon. I think it was like four fifty three or something like that in stock. Shipping in two days. Got it. Had to get it. Because uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's, I, it's, a, it's a must own for sure. Yeah, and it's just as you said, just one hundred percent an action film. Like I said, I, I feel awful that it wasn't on there, but on my list. But uh, I, I do love and revere it. I love and revere Swayze, Sam Elliott, uh, and Jeff Jeff Healy. Uh, <laughs> Blind guitar, blind blues guitarist that can play his balls off. Uh, can't be, yes, can't be understated. No, definitely not. Also, the uh, the bigger gentleman in that with the like uh, curly hair, honestly, probably looks looks uh, similar to Satch. Probably was a little bit bigger than Satch, but uh, same hair, just not a full beard like Satch. But you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I do. I'm trying to think. It was Tinker or something. That's his name, right? That dude. Yeah. So that dude was in uh, Cheerleader Camp as well. Oh shit! Yeah. You know what we're forgetting to talk about is uh, the one of the a character who plays just uh, a son of a bitch in this movie, and uh, he's an ex wrestler. Do we know who we're talking about? Terry Funk. Come on. Terry Funk. How did I, that should have been the thing I let off with it. But yeah, Terry Funk, obviously. <laughs> He's as a funk man. Of, as one of the cronies in, uh, <laughs> in Roadhouse, which is great. Maybe so, the best voice in all of wrestling, too. Oh, yeah. The guys. God damn it, Dusty, you egg-sucking dog. <laughs> Just a, yeah, talk about one of the legends. But yeah, freaking Terry Funk, who obviously looks, you know, in this movie, he's in like his peak prime. He's just a big mother in this movie, that's for sure. <laughs> to think we fast forward to 2020 and he still had a wrestling match earlier this year. <laughs> I know, right? To think he would end up being Chainsaw Charlie. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so. Old T Funk. All right, so my number right. five. Breaking into the top five. Let's, let's hear it. Aliens, 1986. James Cameron. Obviously, we we're just talking about this film. Uh, I'll flip the script to the uh, to the the first Alien film that Ridley Scott did. Super packed. Another one. You know, we say it's got it all. It's got Lance Hendrickson. It's got Bill Paxton, Sigourney, Sigourney Weaver, obviously in her most uh, visceral. I think. Yeah, you, I guess you could say three when she buzzed her head. She looked a little more ferocious, but <laughs> yeah, she was a little more. But uh, yeah. Just, uh, you know, Michael Bean is just a, a powerhouse, underrated, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, think about it. He's, I mean, he's another one who's just kind of an unsung hero. He's in so much good stuff. And, uh, you know, obviously Bill Paxton, it's game over, man. Like, classic lines. 
obviously him and Lance share an iconic scene with the uh, Bishop's knife trick. Uh, just, oh yeah, the knife tricks. That's like, like one of uh, the greatest uh, scenes I've ever. That's oh. like well, that's the scene that always stuck out for me, like all the time. Oh, for sure. Just, uh, just so much goddamn fun. Just a blast. Uh, I mean, for years, I think until recently, I think uh, Alien might have re, uh, for the first time ever, captured the spot of my favorite Alien film. But I mean, it's so hard to say that Aliens isn't the the best in that. In that whole uh, franchise, it's just so, yeah. it's just so damn good. It just goes to show you how how amazingly well James Cameron creates. Uh, now I know there's been drama on his sets, but he creates like a family element. I feel like all those actors and actresses in all his films have an authenticity that they when they work together where it seems you know it seems true and authentic it doesn't seem like they're actors acting yeah i think he has a like you said you know he has a way of bringing certain things out of people in his movies and i think uh you can see it in this there's like a camaraderie in the movie i think uh well i know he got he made them like live together months prior before filming so they could have that rapport as well for people that weren't familiar with each other. But Michael Bean, I believe is, uh, been friends with Cameron since they were in college together. Oh, wow. Really? That's cool. I didn't know that. So Michael Bean was on obviously the, the movie crit podcast years ago. And I, I believe he talks about knowing James Cameron all the way back to then. They've been tight for a long time. Huh. Yeah. That's awesome. So yeah, my number five aliens. I didn't know that they had that uh, the the rapport like that far. Before. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. All right, so moving on, number four. Um, you actually already mentioned the sequel to this, but I so I'll, I'll cover both, and we'll have the original. I have 1982's First Blood. Uh, obviously, the beginning of John Rambo. Um, this movie is just. Again, like just like you were saying with the second one, this one just the beginning of a story, just badass. Obviously, uh, Rambo just walking through uh, a town and just starts to get harassed by uh, by a sheriff uh, for no reason, really. And then that obviously becomes one of the biggest mistakes of his life. Um, when I first saw this movie, I was so confused as to why um, they had such a big deal about. Uh, why he was walking through the town, you know, I guess I, being born later and not understanding the Vietnam War and stuff like that. Right. You don't really understand that the, I guess maybe the, how these guys were viewed. And then this movie is definitely one that shows, uh, how it was not easy for them to come back. Some people obviously despise them for no reason, but Brian Dennehy's character as the sheriff. RIP to Brian Dennehy passed away yeah, just this last week. Just passed away. Yeah. That's awful. You know what? It's sad to say. Actually, I thought he already passed away, which is sad. But uh, I don't even know why I said that. That makes me sound stupid. But anyway, no, no. Uh, I, to be fair, I literally thought he was dead too. So yeah, it's awful. But uh, as you can say, this story is just badass. Badass. Obviously, uh, Rambo escapes the the holes of the police uh, station, and he runs off into the woods, into the the wilderness, and basically just. Because he's a, an ex-Green Beret, just uh, wages war on the goddamn uh, Sheriff's Department. And uh, just the beginning of a badass series, and uh, Stallone knocks it out with this with the John Rambo character. So. But like you said, I, I think it really did give you a better idea as to how people hassled 
and gave these guys shit when they went over there to a lot of them fight a war that they didn't necessarily want to fight. They got mother effing drafted to go over there. So it was either burn your draft card and go to jail, uh, try to flee the country or go over there and, and follow the rules. And, you know, a lot of these guys had no choice. You know, these guys, you know, that weren't going to be doctors or had any kind of uh, huge aspirations to keep them out. You know, the the working class fought the Vietnam War. Yeah, I mean, like it's it, it really like I said, it's strange because I, we weren't around during that time, so we don't really know the the full weight of it. But you're right, like yeah, like it's just it's like these guys were uh, shunned for you know, the stuff that they were asked to do. Yeah, not, you know, it, it's a very political film without even, you know, people even thinking about it. For sure. And I think that's probably what it was, you know, it was supposed to be. But, or, or I, obviously those intentions were, were there when they... When oh, absolutely, they, absolutely. But again, this is another thing we were talking about before we even started our list here was, you know, the underlining stories sometimes aren't... You know, the uh, the action or the acting maybe take people don't see what's actually really happening. So, no, absolutely, absolutely, and uh, but yeah, my uh, uh, moving on. Also, want to shout out the band First Blood, which I fucking love to death. Uh, I've been listening to them a lot lately. I mean, I've been obviously revis as you know, revisiting the the First Blood franchise because uh, Last Blood was so good. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what I love about, I mean, not to get too deep, but like films altogether is like you, obviously there's movies you love, you haven't seen for a long time, and then something ignites like that spark for you to go back and, and revisit like the franchise or, or to delve into the sequels maybe you've never seen before, so. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, my number four, uh, a film that was on your list as well, obviously this was going to come up here, uh. 1988's man first or first blood uh blood sport yeah just uh you know obviously my love for for jean-claude van damme is well known um so well known uh that uh you know i do have pictures of van damme around the uh establishment here you did uh grace me uh a few christmases ago with a blood sport shirt uh yes i'm obviously Jean-Claude Van Damme is someone I've uh, got exposed to at a young age and just gripped on to his films. And, I mean, you know, Ray Jackson, just a hilarious, you know, Donald Gibb play, playing Ray Jackson. You know, what the hell is the dim mock? Uh, yeah, it's just, this, that's another movie that just, like, has awesome comedy as yeah, well. Yeah, it has a lot of comedy. Forrest Whitaker fucking in it, too, like, playing yeah, the, so funny. Yeah. Forrest Whitaker's a man. I, I, I want to say that really quick, but yeah, he's got his uh, character in as well. Who they're uh, basically—I never understood what those two guys were. Actually, are they military police guys? Because I know they're obviously trying to stop Frank from fighting in the the Kumite, but it, uh, they must be some sort of government representatives, correct? I believe they were marshals. Yeah, there you go. So something like that. But yeah, they're obviously a lot of comedy with those guys since they chase around Jean Claude throughout the. The entire city, so yeah, just uh, obviously, just like a powerhouse film, super easy to watch. Maybe one of the greatest uh, songs in the Kumite song ever in any film ever. <laughs> <laughs> it really 
is it? Yeah, it's it gets your blood boiling. That's for sure. I mean, I used to sometimes when I when I walk into like Target or something on Black Friday, I have the Kumite song in my head as I'm walking in. <laughs> I hope that's true. I pray that that's true. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously, just John Claude's probably the most probably the best martial artist in all of all action films ever i i know a lot of people do revere chuck norris as as the best ever but as far as being able to see his true skills and uh get you know a guy that choreographs all of his own film all the films that he's in too yeah i mean he's he's definitely one of the best that's for sure um I think the ongoing debate of him and Seagal, in my opinion, is not even close. So no, get the hell out of here, Seagal. You even kidding me? Uh, I mean, yeah, no, you're right. You're but uh, but regardless, yeah. So my number four, Bloodsport, Frank Dukes. Love it. Obviously, one of my faves. I knew it was going to be on your list. I was curious to see where. But all right, so what? We'll, I guess I'm on my number three now. Number three. Uh, we're getting to the, we're getting up there. So is 1984's The Terminator. Nice. The second time I am going to bring up a James Cameron film here. Um, just a classic, another one of those films like we were talking about with Alien Aliens. Obviously a lot of people think uh, Terminator 2 is, uh, is better than the Ridge, but obviously that's in a different, uh, decade. So just a badass film with, uh. Schwartz has the Terminator coming in to kill old Sarah Connor because of that unborn baby. And uh, <laughs> Michael Keenan and uh, Kyle Reese uh, trying to stop him. So uh, I remember the first time seeing this movie, I was just blown away. Schwartz just looks so badass with those glasses and that haircut with the goddamn leather jacket. And then obviously another uh, installment of Lance Henderson as well. Were those, those were gargoyle glasses, correct? I'm not sure the brand. I, know, I think they were because I think... Um, didn't they redo all the Terminator glasses just recently or something yeah, like that? Yeah, I believe they were gargoyles. Yeah, because I know he... I think they're different in the second one, of course, but uh, I want to say it was the same company. It could be, but I could be wrong about that. But Not to sound like I'm like uh, David Spade and, and Black Sheep with the nitrous oxide <laughs> leaking in the car and like, yeah, it's one of those funny words, but how brutal and awesome is the word, the, 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 the word gargoyle? I did not know where that like, sentence was going, but yes, gargoyle great. I feel like a gargoyle would be a great name for your son. Like, oh, gar- here's Gargoyle Tyler. Gargi. Gar- Gargs. Big Garg. I might, I might pitch that if uh, I have a child gargoyle. Gargoyles, gargoyles themselves are, are pretty badass. They're not maybe not utilized enough. Oh, definitely not. So, but obviously, uh, Terminator iconic film. Oh, just, uh, you know, another one. I feel like its influence is still is so the importance and of that film is still ringing today as we just got another Terminator sequel last year, Dark Fate. Uh, it's just, you know, it's something that as much as people, if they don't like some of these sequels that are coming out, they still crave them because they want to recapture the glory, especially of those first two films. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's, you're 100% right. Like, like I've said a hundred times already, yeah, like if you spawn something 
I mean, think about how many Terminator films have come out. Uh, this film, you know, started out, it all. Yeah, 1984 started it all. And like you said, I think people do crave it. Terminator is an iconic thing, and it's loved by a lot of people. Probably. Probably, probably the most quoted action movie of all time. I'll be back. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. People do say the shit out of "I'll be back." This this might have been the now. this might have been the nexus of the. It, you got to think like, like did they think like James Cameron too? Like when he did uh, Aliens two years later, did he think like we need a tagline like? Because at that point, I feel like Terminator set the bar for taglines in movies. Yeah, I mean, probably. I mean, I'll be back is like, there was a while, like, in our younger days where everybody said that shit. <laughs> I mean, people still say it, but... And then obviously with the second one, fucking hasta la vista, baby. <laughs> That's true. I totally forgot about that one, too, the hasta la vista, baby. That was something that, like, just everybody said. So... But yeah, I mean, super iconic. I think people say that shit without even knowing what, it, what it's from. That that I think speaks more volumes. Oh yeah, saying that. Um, exactly. I mean, uh, that the the importance of that film. I feel like it's so hard to to understate. It really is. Uh, yeah, it's just it's just that it's that. I, yeah, uh, even like the, the the way that film is shot, the cinematography, like the lighting and stuff, is just so badass and. And it was like one of those. They, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just saying how they like portray the, the the time frame and everything like that, and then obviously, you know, Terminator and uh, Kyle Reese being separate from like twenty twenty nine or whatever. So sauce. Yeah, and just getting that you know future the the futuristic uh, feel of you know a guy coming back time traveling Kyle Reese time traveling, uh, you know, to come back to warn Sarah Connor. Like it's just. The whole movie, too, I feel like could could be some people might even write it off as just a sci-fi film, but it is so much like it's an action, it's a drama, it's in Cameron more so than anyone incorporated so many different styles and everything that he does. But that film just <clears throat> super special. It, it launched a lot of influence uh, that you see in many films even to this day. Yeah, for sure, and I think, like you said, it's, it like bridges the gap very nicely with the sci-fi, and and obviously James Cameron is known, you know, that's obviously what he built his uh, career on. Um, but yeah, super. I think if you were to bring up an act, like, I think it would be like most people's action films. I think not, I think ninety percent of people would say uh, Terminator or Terminator Two. So. Oh yeah, and uh, you know. I believe I know he did the second one, and I believe he did the first one as well. Brad Fidel doing the Terminator score, which is probably one of the most iconic uh, scores in all of in all of cinema, too. You know, yeah, he did do the the original Terminator theme, and obviously did the, the revamped version in two, just like that, just uh, iconic. The way that movie ends too is just. Uh, it's a, uh, it's iconic. I get chills just thinking about it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the key word is iconic for sure. So uh, that was your number three. Number three, correct. On to yours. So my number three, uh, eighty-seven, popping up uh, one last time. It is uh, is nineteen eighty-seven's 
Predator. Love it. Uh, just, uh, you know, another one, just uh, as we had said, just super easy to watch, so comical, uh, even when it's not meaning to be comical. But uh, obviously, you got Carl Weathers and, and Arnold, you know, going back into the into the jungle, you know, fighting and, and you know, this alien force known as the Predator. Uh, and it can't be we can't miss this that Jean-Claude Van Damme filmed scenes and was the original Predator yeah how awesome was that I mean just uh, that's uh, that's awesome it's awesome in and of itself uh, obviously there's a lot of uh, rumors as to why he didn't finish the film a lot of it was he wanted to be more physical he wanted the uh, the scenes to be you know more realistic uh, people were saying, you know, he wanted the predator to <laughs> probably be doing these fucking roundhouse kicks and stuff, and they're probably like, "This fucking predator isn't a martial artist; he's just an alien." <laughs> but to to think if we saw Jean Claude Van Damme as the predator and the predator just doing these fucking sick spinning, jumping roundhouse kicks and just like knocking the heads off uh, Carl Weathers would be interesting. It's interesting to 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 debate in your head what the uh, Predator would have looked like if Jean-Claude did have his way. Oh, for sure. Yeah, just let him go out there and high-kick a bunch of people. Yeah. Uh, it would have been better if the if the Predator was actually doing the Jean-Claude Van Damme. Like, I feel like that would be funny, too, if, if he was just making those noises. But, uh, but yeah, obviously, the, the Predator was just... Uh, you know that film obviously takes place in a jungle. Uh, they did a good job of making it seem, even though the jungle is so big and vast, they did they did a good job of making that film seem claustro. You felt claustrophobic, stuck in the jungle with the predator. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the you know the platform they created with the with the jungle in Central America was really great. They didn't like, yeah, it didn't seem like, uh, I don't know really what the word I'm looking for is, but you, um, like condensed or, or I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but I'm, I'm in agreement. <laughs> yeah. They, uh, it, it might be the most, uh, bridged, uh, movie as far as gap bridging and genres goes, because it's a horror film. It's a sci-fi film. It's an action film. Uh, you know, it's, it's like the yeah. ulti- it's like the ultimate genre film. I mean, it really does have, like you just said, like three major genres like covered. I mean, sci-fi, action, horror. I mean, it's all there. Yeah, it's just and it, all, and it all it all works. It doesn't. It's not. It's not like like I said. It's not like too condensed or cluttered. And, and as we said, as great as that first film was, people are just trying to recapture it. Obviously, we said you know the Predator movie came out in 2018 you know we're still trying to we're still intrigued by the character and the story that we're still we're still running with it all these years later yeah like it's surprising they're trying to like you know get newer characters in with the with different with newer actors and stuff like that i think it's really awesome to see how uh different people's take on it and stuff like that yeah absolutely let's go there we go we got top two last two my top two, this was, uh, like I said, this uh, list, as any other list, is super hard. It kind of went back and forth on what uh, 
what is my favorite and what is not. But uh, so number two, I have. 1986 Big Trouble in Little China. Wow, all right. Um, Coming in at number two. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I love I love this film so much. I you got two carp, film, two carp films in your top ten actions of the 80s. That's great. Yeah, you know, I think... I mean, they're definitely action films. No, right? 100%, 100% are. Yeah. Um, this just, to me, like, this story and... What Carpenter did with this film, it's like so, it's just such a big film, if that makes sense. Like, it's just, there's so much, there's so much stuff that's happening. There's, you know, you got your martial arts, your action, your comedy, your horror. Um, uh, Kurt Russell absolutely destroys this character. Um, couldn't picture anybody else playing Jack Burton. Just the way he blends everything with, like, you know, he can be serious, but obviously be super. Super over the top, uh, funny as well. Um, just a, uh, an insane story, uh, battling on the under the underground world of Chinatown, an ancient sorcerer uh, of Lopan, of course, played by one of our new favorite humans, James Hong. Yeah, oh yeah, who we saw at a convention last year, who stole the show because he seemed like to be the most hilarious with it guy on the planet. And I'm pretty sure he's 90 or something. So. Yeah. He's like nine. I think he's 92 or 93 maybe. Um, but he had so much spunk, but, uh, yeah, this movie just, I just love the, I'm a big fan of, uh, the martial arts aspect of this film and just the supernatural side of everything. Super fun story. John Carpenter, I think really, really stepped out of his, his, uh, like his zone with this film for sure um i don't think there's anything like it to be honest with you no there really Um, isn't it's it's one of those films it's a common theme with all these action films too we're like oh they're 80s action films um but a lot of them bridge different genres uh almost every one that we've talked about has bridged a a different genre but have mainly been uh, categorized as 80s action films uh, by us and others but they do they're more than what meets the eye to a lot of people yeah, no, for sure, for for a hundred percent. I think you're right. Like every everyone on the list, there's there's definitely something more going on. You know, like uh, and with this one especially, obviously, it's uh, if you were to tell somebody what it's about, yeah, it's about a truck driver who's in uh, San, San Francisco to to uh, you know basically what is he like picking up uh, his friend's uh, fiance and he's got to save her from a goddamn evil power sorcerer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, super fun movie. Um, one of my favorite. Uh, every time we talk Carpenter, I always think about like what's my favorite Carpenter movie. Obviously, it would be tough to it's tough to rank those, but this is definitely one of my favorites of of his as well. And uh, like I said, when it comes to action, definitely outside the box. Uh, fan for a horror fan, an action fan, uh, even I guess sci fi, and it's just uh, it's just really fun. So absolutely. <laughs> And James Hong with over 405 acting credits. How about that? Yeah, put that, put, put that in, your, in your noggin and think about that one. The dude has been in that many films or, or, or television shows. I mean, and like I said, he, we saw him in his 90s. He's, he's fucking hilarious. He seems like to, to be completely with it and, uh, and uh, super awesome. What, uh, what, what was the grand total of that again? 405 uh, credits, I believe. No, I just so I'm just looking it up now because I uh, I'm on my computer as well. 
438 credits, this guy. Wow, 438. Did he make a bunch of movies since we saw him last? I didn't think it was that much. He's got stuff, uh, you know, in 2020. He's got stuff in in post and pre-production. Jesus Christ. uh, Television and, you know, shorts, TV shorts. He's a... I know he did the kung. He's a voice in the Kung Fu Panda movies, and uh, yeah, I mean, four hundred thirty-eight credits is just. If it's uh, if it's one thing we saw too is he loves his fans. He seemed yeah, like he was, he was very and he was enjoying his time being there. Oh, for sure, for sure. He looked like he was having a goddamn blast. And then the funniest part was. Uh, when you were in line to meet Lance Henderson, he was uh, he was holding up the lines. He was he was meeting with him himself. Yeah, yeah, they were so, going to have lunch that day. Yeah, so so James, uh, his first uh, credit. Well, he's actually uncredited, but in 1954, he was in something called Dragonfly Squadron. <laughs> so 54 was his first, and like I said, he's still got stuff going on now. Over 438 uh, projects, which is just. I mean, come on. It's insane. Yeah, it's uh, it's just mind-boggling, really. James Hong. James Hong. All right, so I'm excited. Your, uh, your top two, let's hear it. So my number two, and throughout this list as I was reading them off, these ones went back and forth about three times. Okay. But yeah, I'm, I mean, like, I understand. I understand the pain, that's for sure. I'm set on this order, though. Uh, 1984's uh, The Terminator. Obviously, we were, we were just talking about what a groundbreaking film it was, the the amount of ground it's covered, the amount of influence it's had, how it really did launch Arnold into superstardom because uh, he had you know obviously acted before this, but this is what really took made him take off. Uh, obviously, we get we got James Cameron uh, comebacks. Uh, you know, or you know, guys that appeared in his films after this. Uh, you know, Bill Paxton obviously playing the punk rocker. Michael Bean is Kyle motherfucking Reese. No one in the entire world could have played the character of Kyle Reese if it was miscast. I think the whole movie would have been off kilter. It wouldn't have made sense. I wouldn't have liked it as much as I I have or or do still to this day. It's the reason it's number two on my list. As great as Arnold is in it, Linda Hamilton is a next-level actress. I think she's one of the greatest actresses that doesn't get enough credit for her versatility and what she brings to the table as far as her you know, her acting is. And I think it's – I don't think without her and without uh, Michael Bean as Sarah Connor and Kyle Reese, I don't know if the film works. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm glad you said that about Linda Hamilton because I feel like she's just – you know she's amazing, but again, very underrated. And her work on the Terminator franchise is just—I uh, mean, it's just amazing. There's really no other word to put it. Yeah, it's just, and I mean, you talk about being able to to do that film, have it be the success that it is, and then you know, it's. It's it's what she's known for. I mean, she was in Children of the Corn, uh, same year actually. But uh, you know, she he she had done uh, a few films uh, after that. I mean, I, she's done a, uh, quite a few films. Uh, she did the Beauty and the Beast uh, series in the early '90s, late '80s, uh, whenever that was. But yeah, she really just didn't get the credit. I think she was kind of written off as like kind of like an '80s uh, action actress because she was in. 
you know, Terminator, and she was in Terminator 2, but those films, the 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 solace I take in, in her not getting the credit that she does is those films made so much fuck, especially Terminator 2 made so much fucking money. I'm sure she got, and, and she was married to James Cameron, uh, so we know she got a cut from the divorce, <laughs> divorce but, but I believe they're still civil to this day, uh, so that's good, but... Uh, yeah, I take solace in knowing that she was uh, her bank account is probably looking pretty G right now, and it's not because of the fucking Arrow release of Children of the Corn. That's for sure. Uh, I'm sure old James uh, took care of her, I'm sure. But yeah, it's a you know obviously it's a sci-fi film, it's an action, it's both, but action there it's action packed. Obviously, Lance was in this one too. Uh, just it's just it's one of those like feel good movies. Like I, I plan on watching it soon i would love to discuss the first two terminators with a bunch of us especially once quarantine's over but it's just so fucking good i mean it's just it, it sees 80s too obviously it's 84 like it just sues or sees you know bleeds 80s all over the place with the hair and the style and things like that but it's just such a it's a timeless film even though i say it, it you know it bleeds 80s so well uh it's a timeless film yeah, I mean, it really is. And I think it's, uh, you know, I think it's something that's going to, uh, obviously it's so many years later, but it's, uh, it's it goes down as one of the greatest ever. You know what I mean? The greatest action movies ever. And I think you could show it to anybody at any age and, and they're, they're going to fall in love with it. But like you said, just everything about it, uh, ever, the character, the way that the, the, the casting is perfect. Um, everything about it is, is just, I mean, it's really just perfect. So yeah, it, it truly is. So we've, uh, we've arrived to our number one slots. Eric, what is your number one 1980s action film? And I just want to say this, that when I named this movie, if you were to look up, you know, best, uh, action movie lists, it's pro. It's not going to be in your top five of probably anybody's list, but it's uh, my number one, uh, and I love this film. Uh, I truly love it. So, my number one is 1984's Red Dawn. Wow, I did not see that one coming. Yeah, I, I mean, this is one of my favorite movies of all time. I just love everything about it. It's obviously we'll start with the cast: Swayze, C. Thomas Howell, Charlie Sheen. You know, Leah Thompson, Jennifer Grey, uh, a story about, you know, it takes place mid in uh, modern time, 84, where uh, these guys are younger kids who live in Colorado. And basically it's the beginning of World War Three, where the Soviet Union has uh, invaded the United States. And uh, they basically these kids group together um, and they and they fight back against uh, the Soviets to try to protect their land and their self. And it's just a great story, I think. Um, and uh, like I said, Patrick Swayze in so many good movies in my eyes. But uh, I just love this is just a, a, I have a, an affinity for this era of, uh, of films. Like we obviously since we're making this list, but Red Dawn is just one of my all time favorites. Um, yeah, I mean, there's really not much more to say about it. If you, if you haven't seen it, definitely, I would suggest checking it out. Oh, I mean, and you're I, t- you're talking about probably one of the craziest casts ever with, you know, Jennifer Grey, Leah Thompson, C. Thomas Howell, yeah, Patrick well, Swayze. Um, and 
a lot of it's got the similar cast to like an Outsiders, which is like around the same time and the same same people. But uh, yeah, Powers Booth is all, is in it as well, and Harry Dean Stan, one of the kings. Harry um, Dean, Harry Dean's unsung man. He's in a lot of. He's in. You know, I just watched Repo Man the other night. Repo Man's so good. Harry Dean's in that. He's an alien. You know, he's sixteen or pretty in pink. Like the guy is just—he's another yeah, guy. It's funny because uh, somebody uh, like I check out. Obviously, I look at IMDb a lot. Somebody you could like if you're a user on there, you can make lists, and somebody made a specific Harry Dean Stan list. <laughs> that's fucking awesome. Of like the top twenty-five movies with Harry Dean Stan in it, which oh, is so awesome. He's he is a king, and he plays obviously plays the, the child's father, who in the, in the film gets uh, basically put into a camp uh, and, and and executed. But definitely a, a great movie. They tried to remake it. I don't even know what the year the remake was, but it start it had Chris Hemsworth in it, and uh, obviously didn't carry the same weight as the original. But uh, I love Red Dawn, and uh, you know I'm I'm glad it's my number my number one. So. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, Red Dawn. Yeah, if you haven't seen Red Dawn, you're not the remake. God, not the remake. But uh, I, I wanted to try to like the remake, maybe, but uh, yeah, it just didn't work. So. It, it falls in that same category with the Point Break remake. <laughs> Again, yeah, another another amazing Swayze movie that they just, I mean, they just completely whiffed on. Maybe Is Swayze all, not a king? He's, I mean, I love. He's the man. He is the goddamn man. Passed away I mean, too goddamn young. Way too young. God. I mean, we got we should we probably have to pot about Swayze sometimes. Oh. Well, it's it's so funny that we say that because uh Bridget and I uh just before we started this, we we started watching the 1984 American Horror Story that last season. Yeah. And his brother Don is in the first episode. Oh, wow, really? Looks just like him. Looks just like him. I feel like I watched that first episode, but I don't even know if I caught that. I don't even know. He was the gas station attendant in that one. I'm going to have to rewatch it. That's awesome, yeah. Yeah, R.I.P. Swayze, man. I love that Swayze was in two of them. Obviously, I love both those films. Uh, I had to cut my list down. I don't know what to tell you. I, I, feel, I feel like a piece of shit for not having Swayze in it, but cuts, well, had, cuts talk, had to be made. Once we talk, like, uh, honorable mentions, like, there's obviously stuff on your list that, that wasn't on mine that I love as well, but... I'm definitely excited to hear your number one. So. so my number one is, out of all these films, all these amazing films, films you've mentioned, films I've mentioned, the films that are going to be in our honorable mentions, they're all fucking awesome in their own way. But this film, I've watched more than any of these other films. Tenfold. Tenfold. Uh, 1989 film, I really do feel like uh, this is burned into my memory uh and into my childhood it's like it's one of the first films i remember ever watching uh just uh like when i think of movies period i think of this film uh i've watched it that much uh 1989 is obviously another king with a crown many jewels on that crown but this is that center jewel in the top of that crown of jean-claude van damme with 1989's kickboxer wow i mean i i love it i i was wondering if it's gonna be on your list number one that's so fucking awesome i just i mean that movie obviously it could be considered just a drama but it is an it's an action film but all action films do have a level of drama because there needs to be something to push that dra- to push that violence 
Um, I, I think it's. I mean, it's one hundred percent an action film. Yeah, like it's it's right up there with. You know, it's uh, it's it's right up there with Bloodsport, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a, it's an action film. But yeah, Kickbox is so awesome. And you know, uh, you know, Bolo Young, obviously a very fierce looking guy. It just looks crazy. But he Bolo Bolo looks like you know occasionally he would cut loose and like he they would go play blackjack. Him and his buddies would go play blackjack once in a while. They would joke around in the weight room. Uh, you know, he might like fake spot somebody, let the friggin' bar hit their chest, help them out, and then they'll go grab a burger at like Whataburger or something afterwards or something. But, but Tong Po did not seem that way at all. Tong Po literally looked like he was going to steal your sister. He was going to have his way with her. He was going to kill your dog. He was going to cripple your brother. And he was going to laugh about it. One he of, was uh, one, he was a, a heel, that's for sure. He was a big heel. Oh yeah, he is scary. I remember. For, I mean, his character. There's really no other way to put it in that movie. I mean, your first shot of him is goddamn uh, freaking wailing on that post with his leg, kicking the kicking the pillar, <laughs> man. Yeah, the pillar with his leg. But he is the ultimate heel. They make him the they make him look so crazy in that film. Uh, obviously, you see him in Bloodsport as well. Uh, he doesn't look as crazy, of course, but uh, for for the longest time, I thought he was a legit, probably just a, like a legit, like crazy fighter that they they found in Thailand or something. But his name's actually uh, Michelle Cassay, and uh, and he's uh, I believe he's Italian and maybe Russian, uh, but um, I could be wrong on his uh, his origins, but. I, I could have swore he was like a, a t- Italian and oh he's born in Morocco as I see here right now I, I had to look into it a little uh so I guess he's Moroccan uh but he does look like he has uh I did I feel like I read something about him having several different uh mixed um nationalities but regardless yeah just uh ultimate revenge story you know uh Jean-Claude Van Damme as, uh, you know, Kurt Sloan, his brother, Eric, the Eliminator Sloan, uh, you know, the Eliminators, yeah, raised on the, raised on a a different, uh, obviously, uh, one of the best Jerry curls in all of film ever is, uh, Eric, the Eliminator Sloan (laughs) in, who was a world champion kickboxer, right? Like he was, oh, no, no, he was, uh, that actor, um, uh, Dennis, uh, Alexio is like a world champion kickboxer. He was legit. He w- that wasn't like a, an acting gig for him. Yeah. But. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. That's what I mean. Yeah. He was like a legit, like, like, uh, like legit world-class kickboxer. Oh yeah. And, Which uh, is great because his acting is right up there with everyone else's, you know? So yeah. <laughs> for sure. And, uh, you know, obviously Eric gets, uh, paralyzed in a match against Tong Po, but, uh, Another one, the, these films just had, and Jean-Claude, for some reason, made sure Stan Bush had amazing songs in, in both Blood Bloodsport and Kickboxer. Uh, you get, uh, you know, cruising down the streets of Siam, Siam in, uh, in Kickboxer. You get, you know, Never Surrender at the end of Kickboxer. And, of course, uh, Fight for Love by Stan Bush, another another classic. Three powerhouse uh, power pop rock songs in, uh, in those uh in in kickboxer but yeah just you know dennis chang as uh zian chow the the trainer uh 
you know, uh, Haskell Anderson, <laughs> Winston Taylor, the ex-Vietnam vet that picks him up in the in his fucking Mazda, weird Mazda van. Brings him. He's the one that, he, he steals the show. Do you want the big pussy? Do you want a kitty cat club? Just uh, just uh, a great film. I mean, obviously, people write it off, I'm sure, as like, kind of like a cheesy like revenge film. But for me, like it was very, especially watching it young, very riveting obviously emotional uh seeing you know his brother get paralyzed and he has to get trained because uh you know kurt sloan grows up in uh overseas in you know uh berlin or germany or wherever and uh eric the eliminator sloan his brother grows up in california and becomes this kickboxer grows up with his father and you know you 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 get you know the feel for everything. Obviously, we're just turning this into like a whole kickboxer episode if I go on and on. But uh, well, the, the funny thing about uh, kickboxer and uh, and Bloodsport is, is that in both movies originally it wasn't it wasn't uh, Jean Claude's character who was supposed to be the one to do whatever they were doing. Like he wasn't supposed to go to the Kumite. It was his trainer's son. Right. Then, who passed away, and then obviously his brother and kickboxer who who gets crippled, basically. But uh, but yeah, it was just uh, it was one of those movies I remember. There's a nostalgic factor in that watching it at a, such a young age and just loving it, and it was just an easy watch again, just so easy to watch, so so much fun, and it started my love for Jean Claude Van Damme. It was the first Jean Claude Van Damme movie I ever saw. Obviously, my uncle, um, my mother's brother, who was. Uh, kickboxer in his own right was a champion in the state of tennessee um and also he was a you know a bodybuilder in the 80s and stuff uh him and my old man were were uh were boys and would uh, loved action movies and that's where my love for action movies spawned from was you know those early 90s uh vhs and pizza nights on friday and saturday nights and just watching you know movies like that and full metal jacket and war movies and you know, missing in action and all these, uh, all these movies that, you know, uh, guys who were in their early thirties, our age were watching, you know, back, uh, back then. For sure. I got to say, uh, you know, to, I think our, our fathers, we would like to shout out my dad who doesn't even know what a podcast is, I'm sure. But, um, <laughs> that, you know, your dad and, and my father showed us a lot of movies when we were younger. And I think that's, uh, probably one of the reasons why we love film so much so oh absolutely and uh there it is let's uh let's get to let's get our honorable mentions in here for sure so i got here's my honorable mentions i'll run through mine quick conan the barbarian obviously not set necessarily in the 1980s obviously set in a different time but i mean that made arnold Arnold too that that really launched him and then you know he obviously blew up when he went to do Terminator two years later. Uh, Red Heat, another another uh, Arnold movie with uh, not not uh, not John Belushi unfortunately, but his brother who equally is funny in my opinion uh, is James Belushi. The unsung Belushi. Yeah, and uh, a couple more. Uh, Forty Eight Hours, love Forty Eight Hours. Nolte. Nolte, Eddie. Uh, the first First Blood, obviously. Uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. Uh, Roadhouse, obviously. Uh, Tango and Cash, uh, a Kurt and Stallone uh, 
juggernaut of a film. I love that movie. And you know what the funny thing about is about that movie, I'll admit? I, for the longest time, thought it was a, a 90s movie. You know what? You know what's so funny, too? And I, I don't know why, but for some reason, immediately, my immediate, like, react gut reaction is, like, it's early 90s, too, but it was 89. Yeah. Like, the longest time. I always thought that was a 90s movie. And then just, just recently, I was like, man, that was technically, I guess, an 80s movie, so. Yeah, it's crazy. And, uh... <laughs> Not Beyond Thunderdome, even though I grew up loving Beyond Thunderdome, uh, but Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior. Yeah, that's on, that's on my list as well. One, uh, one more, actually, that we saw recently, probably over the last five years, we watched Late Night at your uh, house when you lived uh, in your uh, the apartment before you bought your house, uh, a movie that I had never even heard of or seen before that we watched. And I have since grown to love it. Is with Gary Busey and Yafat Koto, Eye of the Tiger. Eye of the Tiger. That's a goddamn classic. Yeah, we just like that's talk about like one of the most awesome things is when you just stumble across a movie you like never knew even existed. It just it was fucking as as awesome as Eye of the Eye of the Tiger is. Like I had no idea that movie existed, and uh, we watched it, and it just totally blew us away. Oh yeah, great film. Um, so I won't say anything that's not like, well, did you have any more, actually? No, nah, that was that was pretty much all of them. I mean, there's like seven of them. I guess, I mean, I had a, I had a bunch of, like, I, I won't put anything that was or was on your list or that you already said, but, like, obviously, uh, 1988's They Live is, is, you know, questionable if it's an action film or, or whatever. Right, right. I mean, there's no, there's no lack of John Carpenter love between the right. two of us, no matter what. Um, I also threw... This is a Sly movie that one of my personal favorites, but again, I don't know if it's technically an action movie. It's over the top, the famed uh, arm wrestling film with uh, Lincoln <laughs> Hawks. But I, I think it's it's pretty much an action film, so I'm going to put it on there. But uh, one that I noticed uh, neither of us had on our list. Uh, again, I'm not a. I like it. I wouldn't say I'm a mega fan, but it's actually Die Hard, 1988. Yeah, I was. I like it. I'm same way. I like it, but I was never a. I was never a huge Die Hard guy. Me personally, I guess I just couldn't buy Bruce Willis as an action hero. I couldn't buy the guy that does the voice as the baby and look who's talking as an action hero. <laughs> well, it's funny because, so when we do these like lists, like obviously I I, I come up with the list myself, but I always like to Google, you know, like. What, say we did a zombie like top zombie movies i always like to look at other people's lists to see what they what they have and uh i did notice that like every list i looked at for 80s horror or 80s action films had die hard as their number one i mean that film uh, people love that film like and I, i'm with you man I, I i'm not the biggest bruce willis fan i don't hate him but i'm not when it comes to the action uh he's just kind of there yeah, he's in some movies. Obviously, he's uh, you know, uh, you know, he's in Pulp Fiction. You know, like he's in stuff that you like, but uh, me personally, he doesn't like really do it for me. I don't know. But uh, so Die Hard stuff, and that well, like I said, it's not on either of our lists. But I feel like people people do love it. Around Christmas, people love watching it, calling it a Christmas movie as well. So, see, I, I relate Bruce Willis to being like Iron Butterfly. Iron Butterfly is great. <laughs> But, like, has anyone ever said Iron Butterfly is my favorite fucking band ever? They're just kind of there. You know Into the God of DeVita, and that's kind of what Die Hard is. And, yeah. but I it mean, isn't. I'd, I'd rather listen to Slayer's cover of Iron Butterfly. <laughs> 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 
I think too. I think that too. But yeah, Bruce Willis is the uh, is the uh, Iron Butterfly. Like no one's favorite band has ever been Iron Butterfly, except for maybe like Six Hippies and Sylvan Beach when that single came out. Although, if you are listening to this and you love Bruce Willis, you should tell us and like you know why. I want to hear why. Yeah, I want to hear. I want to hear like six or seven movies that are completely just like you love to death. And again, yeah, he's in he's in a lot of movies. He's in movies I like, but it's never him that's like the like. He's in Sin City. I love Sin City, but you know he's in he's in Pulp Fiction, but he's not like the you know obviously so. Um, unless there's something I'm forgetting here. I mean, he's in, he's in the sixth sense, but is it really him that? <laughs> Obviously, we know it's Haley Joe who steals the show. Oh yeah. But yeah, that's uh, that'll just about do it. This was uh, this is a good one. This one's fun. I like this a lot because. You know, obviously we got to talk about these films, but also our lists. I mean, we do had we had a lot of the similar ones, but they were you know they were definitely different. Um, and I think, uh, I like that, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it gives, uh, variety is the spice of life and it's good to see like what other people hold like true, what other people, like, obviously, you know, I love Roadhouse, but you know, cuts had to be made and it's unfortunate. And you know, we had two films that weren't even on my number one film wasn't even on your list and your number one film wasn't even on my list. Let's think about that. Yeah. See, Nothing wrong with that, but... No, that's... I think that's what makes, you know, these conversations so much fun. I think the... The one I... The main thing I cut off was... Was uh, the Road Warrior Mad Max 2. I did have it on my list, but then... I just... I had to cut it. Why is there not a box set of that? Why is there not the, the Mad Max box set anywhere? I don't know. There is no box set, right? Like, there's the individuals. Obviously, we know Screen Factory did a... Did their work on it, but there's no box set, is there? No, there isn't. It's got to be something with WB, because I think they're WB films, right? Or maybe are they MGM? It's unfortunate when business gets in the way of stuff like that. It, as it so often does, but... Yeah. This was awesome. Uh, obviously, Eric and I uh, Eric and I uh, had a lot of fun doing this. We had to pull this one out as the last one. This was one that was going to actually be on the new season of... Uh, of uh, the Hard Guy Media podcast, as we're going to roll out season four here uh, soon. But as you heard in the intro, we got a new theme song. That's going to be our theme song going forward. So we're going to try to get a little more uh, polished and a little more professional with this, and see if we can uh, raise our uh, fourteen monthly followers to maybe twenty. Uh, yeah, we like feedback. You know, talk to us. Whatever, whatever you got. Yeah, uh, I'm actually going to post an Instagram uh, live video. I guess, you know, like Instagram TV video, and uh, maybe I'll show everyone my um, my wall of, uh, well, it's kind of a deteriorated wall of Arnold right now, because I, I had to display my Hellraiser poster, so unfortunately, my 11 by 17 uh, Terminator 2 poster had to come down, but there's still the Arnold commando flag over there, and the, I think I, I have the Bloodsport one, uh, and the, the Kickboxer one over there still as well, yeah. so... I have the kickbox. I have the same kickboxer flag since you got it for me. It's one of my greatest gifts ever. But you definitely got to show people the commando flag. No, oh, yeah, I'm gonna have to. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you can find us on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Breaker, wherever you get your podcasts, except for Podbean. Uh, <laughs> I but, love that. That's still a thing. I know. 
but yeah, uh, let us know what you think. Um, if you have listened to this whole episode, uh, give us a shout out on Instagram at Heart God Media, on Twitter Heart God Media, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll catch you next time on the Heart God Media podcast. I can't